Well, thanks. You know, part of the process, we try to uh, introduce uh, the uh, uh, potential elders to the congregation so that if you have any questions or you would like to, you know, speak with them, you know who they are, and they're more than happy to uh, take some time and sit down, you know, and uh, talk together. So please take advantage of that. Our annual meeting is uh, February the 8th, and it's at that time that uh, these candidates will be confirmed as elders. And so hope you make plans to be with us on February 8th as well. Uh, as we uh, turn to the scriptures, you know that the life that God intends for us is described by Jesus as an abundant life, right? John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, you know, the thief comes to steal, but I've come so that you could have life and so that you could have it abundantly. And the idea behind an abundant life is a life that's overflowing, a life that's got surplus to it. And I think the main idea is it's a life that has an impact on other people because it's abundant. In other words, it fills us up and then it spills over onto other people. Uh, just like Andrew was talking, you know, one of the ways that God works in people's lives is he just orchestrates so that people who have that abundant life, you know, encounter people whose lives are empty. And they begin to start to fill the other person's life with what God fills our lives with. And so um, this abundant life that Jesus came to give us is a life that satisfies. It's a life that creates contentment in us to the point that uh, God's life overflows and influences uh, the people around us. And that's because God is on a mission. Uh, God, from the very beginning, said that he intends to bless all the families of the earth, all the ethne, all the different various ethnic groups in the whole earth. I mean, that's a promise that he made at the very beginning. We'll look at it uh, more next week, Lord willing. But because God is on this mission, his way of doing it is to fill us up to the point of surplus and overflowing to abundance so that uh, we can take his mission and deliver it you know, to all the different uh, people groups, if you will, in the world. There's enough abundance in God for every last person on the face of the earth. There's enough love, there's enough forgiveness, there's enough wisdom, there's enough grace in God for every last person on the earth. And uh, for some people, it takes longer for them to, you know, embrace and to open their hearts up for this life that God wants to give. Uh, but we need to know uh, that this abundant life is what God planned for us. However, there is a thief. There is a thief. And you might ask the question, you know, why don't Christians live this abundant life? Why don't we have more impact on the people around us? Why don't we have more influence? You know, you might ask of yourself, why do I, you know, sometimes find myself complaining, you know, and rather than saying, wow, my life is so full, like where am I going to let this overflow? And uh, who has God put into my life to impact and, and, and so on and so forth. And so there's a thief and uh, he steals and he kills and he destroys the life that God wants to give us. And so there are setbacks in our Christian life. Um, however, um, for the person who draws their life from God, while there are setbacks, there's no defeats. No defeats. You know why? Because as the Bible says, greater is he that's in you, which is the very spirit of God, than he that's in the world, which is the thief or Satan or the enemy who's trying to steal God's life away from us. So our life is a series of, you know, taking a couple of steps forward, falling back, taking a couple steps forward, falling back, and so on. Uh, but we gain, and there are no ultimate defeats. And so I'm excited to be um, thinking about all of this because the means that God uses to draw us into the life that he has for us is his promises. 
his word to us. The promises that God makes and the promises that God keeps are the means by which God draws us into this abundant life. And so um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, uh, you can find it on page uh, 1018 in the Bibles there in the seats, or you can see it on the screen. But listen to this. This is uh, kind of a crucial uh, part of our understanding for this whole year of um, standing on the promises of God. Look what Peter says. His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things, all things, everything we need, all things that pertain to life. Andrew talked about establishing a worldview, uh, an understanding of life, where it comes from, what it's about, where it's going. Uh, God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us uh, to his own glory and excellence, by which, through his glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of God's nature. God's nature. You know, it's God's life that gets inside of us that gives us that abundant life. It's the very life of God. And we become partakers of God's life through the promises that God makes to us. When we believe those promises, it releases God's life inside of us. And that's why our whole salvation, everything that we get from God, comes by faith. It comes by trusting God, taking him at his word. Uh, he says these promises, these great and precious promises, so that through these promises we become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. You know what this is saying? We have two choices in life. You can live a life of abundance or a life of corruption. You can live a life that keeps getting better and better and better, or a life that keeps winding down and getting worse and worse and worse. Either abundance or corruption. Escaping from the life that we get from the world, which is a life of corruption. Which means that, you know, our life just basically winds down. It gets worse instead of better. And he says it's because of sinful desire that we embrace this life of corruption. And um, I, I think, you know, when we realize there are two choices, a life that gets better or a life that, you know, um, gets corrupted... God's nature gets into us through these very precious promises and we become partakers. It reminds me of um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, um, <clears throat> here Paul wrote to this church and he said, look, we don't lose heart. Well, you know what that means? It means of all the people in the world, Christians are the only people really who uh, are filled with hope about the future. We're the only people who can really afford to be filled with hope because God has made promises to us about the future that when we believe them creates hope in us and we become optimists about the promises through the promises of what God has, has promised us and so we don't lose heart right look though our outer nature our outer nature is wasting away right I mean we all get to be 80 85 87 90 100 and Pretty soon we realize, you know what? The old outer nature, our bodies are going to give up. They're just not going to go forever. Dan Horniak, by the way, you know, uh, went home to see the Lord uh, this past week. His service is going to be next Sunday at 12 o'clock, right after the second service. I hope you can stay, and we're going to celebrate his life. 
Uh, but, look, you know, we don't lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day by day by day by day. A life of abundance is focused on our inner life, on our souls. And our souls then feed our physical life. A life of corruption is focused on our outer nature. And no matter how hard you try to suck whatever you can get out of this world to pump up your outer nature, sooner or later, it will end up in corruption. We have an inner nature and an outer nature. We have a body and we have a soul. The inner nature, our souls, is the focus of where God pours his life into us. And then it gets reflected out through our bodies. The choices we make, the decisions we make, the smiles on our face, the song in our uh, voice, the, all of that is, is a result of this nature that is within us by the very Spirit of God that comes out of us. Without that, we're dependent on the world around us to kind of prop us, ourselves up. And so we grab everything we can in the world to try to feed that outer nature to keep it as, as good as we can. And uh, Paul says, look, we don't lose heart because our outer nature is wasting away, but our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If you believe the promises of God, what's in our future so far exceeds any hassles that we have in this life that we, in comparison, they just don't compare, Right? And he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, they're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal, the things of our soul. They're going to go on forever and ever and ever. But you can't have that reality happening without believing the promises of God. And uh, that's how they come to us. And so I'm pretty excited about, you know, what we're going to do this year and this eternal life that's received by faith on the basis of God's promises. Now, we've all experienced broken promises. We've all had people make promises to us, right, and break them. And we've all made promises probably and not kept them, right? And we've all probably heard somebody say, or you've said it yourself, I'll believe it when I see it. Can I tell you, if you wait for that, it'll be too late. With God's promises, if you wait, if you say, well, I'll believe it when I see it, well, it'll be too late for you. Um, there's no, uh, it doesn't take any faith to believe in that which we already see. And um, so it's so important for us um, not to think like that about God's promises because it'll be too late. By the time you see it, your opportunity will be passed. And that's why, you know, the Bible says today is your day of salvation. And God is patient, like Andrew just shared with us. Uh, but there's a point at which life runs out, and then it's over. And uh, that's why today is the day of salvation, and it comes to us by faith in the promises of God. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, uh, that God's people live by faith and not by sight. They live. They have their life, their everyday life. They make their choices, their decisions, embrace their values. and so on. They live not by sight but by faith in the promises of God. Um, so I think we have to keep um, separate promises that may never be kept, promises made by people, uh, from promises made by God, which will never be broken because God cannot lie. And we have to keep those um, separate uh, because God has made them. There's something in us, I think, from the time we're just children that wants to be able to count on the promises that are made to us. And uh, we learn, however, as we go through life, 
uh, and we experience broken promises, we experience lies, we experience deception, uh, and then we stop trusting promises. And we get into that cynical mode of saying, I'll believe it when I see it. And we start not believing anybody, including God, which then takes us out of that abundant life. Uh, I remember a while back after my mom died, uh, my dad um, in New Jersey sold his uh, business, sold all of his equipment, sold his house, and uh, moved to Florida. And he established himself in a uh, good church, and he found a place to live and so forth. And he had some money from selling everything that you know, he had worked all his life for. And uh, in church, he met this man who befriended him and uh, who told him he was an investment broker. And he promised my dad a good percentage of return if dad would entrust you know, his money to him. And so dad gave him a good portion of his money, and uh, the guy promptly disappeared. All right? And so I remember this, uh, you know, talking to my dad about it and so forth. And um, he got over losing the money. But my dad never got over the fact that the guy he met in church and the guy he worshipped with could look him in the eye, lie to him, and steal from him. He could get over the money part, but he couldn't get over the fact that, you know, this was somebody he was worshipping with. And uh, I remember I used to tell him, Dad, read Psalm 55. And um, Psalm 55, verse 12, and a couple of verses, just quick. Uh, look with the psalmist. He had the same experience. And the psalmist said, look... It, it, for it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. And uh, it's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. I could hide from that. But it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng up to the temple and so on and so forth. You know, The psalmist is like, I could deal with this if it was my enemy. But when it's my friend... And when it's somebody I'm worshiping God with, somehow the level of expectation is different. And how important that is for us to understand and to, um, you know, appreciate. God's promises are different than man's promises. God cannot lie, and there's no power that can uh, deter God from doing what he says he's going to do. There's no power that can sideline God and uh, get him off course and so forth. And uh, which is why God's promises are precious and very great, and I would say priceless. The promises of God are priceless. They have the power to make us partakers of God's nature, a partaker of this abundant life uh, that would fill our lives with hope. And so, uh, especially us living now, I think we have a great advantage living a couple thousand years after Jesus was here and uh, seeing historically the record of God's faithfulness to fulfilling his promises. We can look back historically and, and we can look at something like Christmas and Jesus' life and, and think about the promises that were made before he came and see the faithfulness of God. We can look about promises made to Israel and uh, the remarkable even just existence of Israel today and say, my goodness, you know, God is going to do exactly what God said he's going to do. And uh, we can embrace the future based on these promises of God. What God says about the future will, in fact, happen. But I want to suggest to you that God's promises are primarily about what God is doing. And they're primarily about what fulfills God's plan and satisfies God's justice and conveys God's love to the world. 
I think we miss the point sometimes when we insist that the promises are first and foremost about us. Now, the promises are about us. The promises have a great impact on us. The promises are made to us. The promises tremendously affect uh, our lives. Uh, But the promises, first and foremost, are about what God is doing in the world. And sometimes when we read the promises, we'll read them wrong if we approach them in sort of a me-first instead of a God-first mindset. We have to ask ourselves, why is God promising these things? What is he up to? What is he doing? And how do I fit into that? But sometimes, you know, when we approach uh, the promises of God, uh, me first, I think we get very confused and we begin thinking that God's made promises that he's broken to us. And it's just because we haven't really understood the promise in the context of the way that God has revealed it. And so hopefully over the course of this year, as we look at some of the promises of God, uh, we'll uh, ferret some of that out. But God's promises are primarily about what God is doing. And so the fulfillment of God's promises, um, and that's our passage today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. This is just a great thought. And uh, notice what he says. All the promises of God find their yes in him. Uh, That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Amen is just a solemn way of affirming truth. When somebody says amen, all they're doing is, you know, just agreeing that, oh, yeah, that's the truth, right? Uh, Amen to that. And so uh, what Paul is saying here is that uh, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, and that's why uh, through him we can utter our amen uh, to God. God has made a promise and all kinds of subsequent promises, and every single one of them is dependent on Jesus for their fulfillment. Every promise is made possible or brought online in our lives, if you will, because of the work of Christ. And that's why there's salvation or life, abundant life, or God's nature in no other name other than Jesus. You can't find this life through any other source. All the promises that God makes come to us through Christ. And that's why salvation is in the name of Jesus, in the person of Jesus. It's dependent on faith, uh, not just in the promises, but in the person of Jesus who made these promises uh, actually possible. And it's important to see that um, this great statement in 1 Corinthians you know, comes in the context of the Apostle Paul explaining why it's so important for people like us, Christians, to be people of their word. Uh, Because some people in the Corinthian church were accusing the Apostle Paul of being wishy-washy. They were saying, ah, Paul, you're saying yes and no at the same time. And then they were using that to undermine the message of the gospel, the only message that will give us this abundant life, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and these people. And it's the thief, right? It's the thief who's trying to steal and kill and destroy this life that God's trying to give. And so in the minds of some people, they were making accusations at the Apostle Paul. If you back up to like verse 16, uh, Paul says this, you know, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanius and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him always yes. 
For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Uh, Verse 23, but I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrain from coming again to Corinth. Somehow in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, which we have in our Bibles, Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians and he mentions it here, but we don't have it. But somehow there was, you know, the Corinthian church, like if you move to, uh, you know, the Middle East in the days when these letters were written, probably the last church you'd want to join would be the Corinthian church, right? It'd be like going to the Presbyterian church and never hearing the gospel, right, Andrew? You know, I mean, you know, and so uh, I mean that. I just, uh, some of you look real serious about that. But, you know, what Paul is saying here is that, you know, if I came back to you, I'd have to deal with you in a harsh way and deal with some of the issues that are going on. And you can read 1 Corinthians and get a, a drift of some of the issues. So, verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. I changed my mind about my plans to travel. That's all that happened. But as soon as he did that, some people jumped right on that, tried to create a misunderstanding, tried to undermine the Apostle Paul's character, and on the basis of that, undermine the message of the gospel. Hey, this guy, he vacillates. He's wishy-washy. He says yes and no at the same time. First he's coming, now he's not coming. What's with this guy? You know, and you can't believe what he says. You can't believe this message. You're going to hang your whole life on the gospel, and this guy is so wishy-washy. And so how important is it for us you know, to be careful, to be people of integrity and people of our word, especially as we represent this abundant life that spills over into the lives of other people. Paul had simply changed his plans, but the thief was using it to try to kill and undermine the message. And, uh, and that, I think, you know, happens often uh, in the kingdom of God because of that thief. Well, it occurred to me, uh, when it comes to believing the promises of God, it occurred to me that um, before you're willing to believe God's promises and and by believe i mean you know stake your life on i mean rearrange your daily living based on the promises of god that's what it means to believe right to make your everyday living dependent on god's promises to establish a whole different lifestyle or a whole new value system uh, before you're willing to transition right from a me first life like andrew was talking about to a god first life before you're willing to do that you have to trust god who's making the promises. Before you'll believe the promises of another person, you have to trust the person. Isn't that right? If you know a person to be uh, irresponsible or you know, to be a liar, uh, kind of as a general rule, well, if they make a promise to you, you're, you're just not going to believe it, right? They can make all the promises they want, but you know they're not going to come through. And so you don't believe it, and you're not going to stake your life, right? How many times have people made a promise to you, and you've done something, you know, like I've had people say to me, all right, I'm going to come to church on that Sunday, you know, a brand new person or something. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to think about that person. I'm going to look for that person. I'm going to, you know, make sure they feel welcome. I'm going to talk to somebody and say, hey, listen, this person's coming to church for the first time. Would you sit next to them? I'm going to do all of this stuff. And they don't come. Well, after a while, if that happens 10 times, guess what? You just don't believe them anymore. So what do you have to believe about God before you'll believe his promises? So I got to thinking about that this week, and I want to suggest that there's a couple things. Oh, wow. All right. Um, I, well, there's four things that uh, I believe about God that I, I think enable me to, and if you don't believe these things about God, 
uh, you, won't, you won't trust his promises. And so the first thing, it occurred to me, I believe that God has a place for me. A place. There are four Ps so they can remember. I believe that God has a place for me in his heart. In his heart. In other words, I, I believe that God loves me. I believe that God values me. I believe that God wants me. I believe that God has a place for me in his heart. If you don't believe that God has a place for you in his heart and he makes promises to you, well, you're not going to believe him. You're not going to rearrange your whole life and, and transform all your living you know, if you don't believe that God has a place for you in his heart. I think every person I know has a longing for belonging, a need to feel wanted and not rejected, to feel loved and not lonely. Uh, some people press family into that role. Some people you know, try to gain this by performing. Uh, some people try to use friends and gangs. I think that's what's really going on with these terrorists sometimes. If you notice, some of these poor uh, terrorist-type people are so lonely and they're disconnected from everybody, and it's a way to fit in because everybody has a longing to belong. And here they get their one minute in the limelight of the media or whatever uh, that uh, makes them feel like they belong at least somewhere, the longing for belonging. And I would say to you that ultimately only God can satisfy that longing and that the church, when it works right, uh, its little communities are expressions of that belonging to God. I belong to God, and so it spills over, and you and I belong to each other. And uh, I was going to go to uh, John chapter 17, where Jesus prays that we would all be one and that the, the church would understand, you know, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 18, um, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Why is that? that why, why does he say, hey, look, wherever you are, if you're just by yourself, I'll be with you. I mean, he is. It doesn't mean that he's not. But why does he say specifically, when a couple of people come together, I'll be with them in a different way, in a special way, you see? And uh, because why? Because there's this expression of this uh, belonging to one another that's an expression of belonging to God. All right, that's, that's one, number one. Number two, uh, I believe that God protects me, protects me. I believe that no matter what happens to me, it's already been filtered through him. It's another way of saying that I believe God is in control. So that no matter what comes to me in life, no matter how hard it is, no matter, uh, no matter if I can't understand it or whatever, uh, God has allowed that to happen, and he has a reason for it, and he means it for my good. Right? Romans 8.28. Right? It's that idea that God is able to work all things together ultimately for good. Uh, nothing is a surprise to God. It's a surprise to me half the time. I'm like, why is this happening or why that? You know, but... It's not a surprise to him, and I believe that God protects me. Uh, Psalm 91, 1 to 4, we could go there, you know, uh, and so on. But um, if I don't believe that God protects me, fear begins to slip into my life, and then worry and anxiety start to rise up. And when that happens, pretty soon I'm afraid, and instead of living life abundantly and overflowingly, I'm living life in an increasingly empty fashion. I'm realizing that my life is emptying out rather than filling up, right? And uh, I'm becoming defensive, and I'm becoming a hold on, and I'm trying to control. But if I understand that God is in control and that God protects me and I can embrace this uh, God because that's the way he is, uh, what a release comes. So I think he has a place for me. I think he protects me. I think he provides for me. Uh, we read on the screen today Luke's version of Matthew 6.33 where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff, food, clothes, if you live in Connecticut, heat, 
and, and, you know, all of those things will be added to your life. But I have a lot of needs. I have emotional needs and relational needs and social needs, and I need uh, to be understood, and I need to be forgiven, and I have intellectual needs. I need to understand, and I need answers to questions, and, you know, uh, I have spiritual needs. I need to know the truth, and I need to know what the future is, and I need to know God, and I need to know about eternal life, and I can't meet any of these needs by myself. And I believe that God provides Right? So Philippians 4, 19, you know, my God shall supply all your needs. Do you believe the 23rd Psalm? When the Lord is my shepherd, I want for nothing. Is that really true? Uh, I believe that the Lord provides everything that I need. And so I believe that he has a place for me in his heart, believe that he protects me, believe that he provides for me, and finally, I believe that he has a plan for my life. It's what gives meaning to life. Every single person in the world is unique. It blows my mind. Out of the billions of people, you don't have to ever worry about bumping into another person just like me, right? And if I think about this, I realize, hey, I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my race. I didn't choose my skin color. I didn't choose my gender. I didn't choose my nationality. I didn't choose my talents, my abilities, my limitations, my IQ, the times in which I live, all chosen by God. Now, I can develop some of those things, and I should. I should change what I can. But ultimately, I have to accept the person that God made me to be. Because he has a plan for me to fit in. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God's prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan for our lives. And when we fit into that plan, you know, there's meaning to life. It's not just a random series of, uh, you know, incidents that, that, that life's all about. Look at Andrew as he shared his testimony and, and uh, how God made sure that there was a believer. Wherever he bounced around, he kept bouncing into you know, strong believers. There's a plan, and uh, God works his plan. And so when I believe all those things about God, I can believe his promises. I won't believe the promises of God. If I didn't believe that God had a place for me, I would have a really hard time believing in God's promises. If I didn't believe that God protected me, that God was in control, that he's sovereign, how would I believe his promises? If I didn't believe that God had a plan, how would I rearrange my whole life to fit according to his promises? And so it's so important. You won't believe the promises of God until you know God and you believe certain things about God. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you so much that you're a God who makes promises and you're not afraid to do that. And you're certainly uh, way capable and you always keep your promises and it creates such a foundation for our living We're so thankful for you and the character that you are, uh, but also, Father, for the promises that you make to us. Help us to examine what we really believe about you that would free us up to believe the promises that you've made to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to ask our ushers if they'd come forward and uh, wait on us as we continue to worship through the giving of our uh, tithes and offerings this morning. Ushers.